Hello, Next Geners. Welcome to our Friday form preview. It's a different type of show. Spring's really in the air. And Hayden Byrne came up with a brilliant idea to get the big guns on the show. So you punters at home can find out how they pick all these winners. And Richo, mate, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I watched you get on and you're killing the boys in Last Man Standing. So we had to have you as our first guest. How are you, team? Fantastic to be part of it. Next generation doing great things, trying to encourage uh, young punters to get involved with a sport that we all love. So uh, absolute pleasure to be involved. Certainly don't consider myself a tipster. Don't consider myself an expert, but love racing. So uh, looking forward to having a chat to you. Well, we've had Zach Purton on the show with, uh, I think, 17,000 followers on Twitter. Tommy Berry. 30,000. I did a quick Twitter search. You've got about 41,000 followers, Richo. What a punch of idiots that are following <laughs> me. <laughs> what? I don't know why they're doing that. Maybe uh, maybe it must be, they must be all cricket fans or something like that, or Olympic <laughs> fans. But uh, well, there you go, mate. Maybe just showing my age. I must have been involved in Twitter for a long time, but I haven't checked for a while. I'm trying to build my Insta, mate. I'm trying to be young and connect. Hayden, help me out here. No, you're just riding the coattails of those you interview. Oh, that maybe I'm doing that. That's right. I've got to get on the. I'm trying to develop the Insta. When I've got uh, three teenage daughters, Instagram for you know for a dad is probably not a cool area. So I'm really trying to just tread very carefully in that space. Yeah, listen to me. I'm right up with the next gen. <laughs> well, Riley Day got it down pat, didn't she? She took advantage of your interview after her run at the Olympics and said. You know, I need some Insta followers, and uh, I think she quadrupled overnight. Um, I certainly jumped on the bandwagon, and then she's in a hotel room asking for her followers to send her food while she's in quarantine. So that's how, how you do it, Richo. It? That's how good it was. Mate, she grew 90,000 followers after her interview. I used to train with her coach, so he's a great mate of mine. He told me a bit of a background. I let her, let her into that story, uh, which was fantastic. The fact she was working at Woolies, trying to balance her life. Next thing you know, 90,000 followers jump online. When she goes to uh, lockdown, she puts out a cheerio. Hey, this is the room I'm in. Send me some food. <laughs> so I follow suit with my idiot mates on Get On. And all I got was phone calls from a whole lot of punters, about 40 of them in a 24-hour period. But I was loving the Queenslanders who aren't in lockdown like us. Um, the Queenslanders are like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, ringing up, getting straight through Marriott, room 2715. Rich, hey, what are you doing? Hilarious stuff. <laughs> Uh, well, you're a man of the people, Richo, and that's why uh, I knew if I asked you to come on, you uh, you wouldn't hesitate. So we appreciate your time today. Tell us quickly um, how you went from being uh, one of Australia's best sprinters to the face of TVN, then racing.com, now Sevens racing coverage on a Saturday afternoon. I suppose uh, morphing from uh, athlete, and I was working a lot in marketing. I had my own business for a while. I was working in sports marketing for a big company, an eyewear company. So I got to know plenty of athletes while I was also competing. And then I um, started my own business. I was importing different brands from around the world. I eventually sold that business. But all the way through, and I was doing a lot of little media, being more on the other side of the microphone, being interviewed and the like, but you know, growing up, I wanted to be an AFL footballer and play in a premiership. I either wanted to run in the 100 metres in Olympic Games or I wanted to be Bruce McAvaney. Well, I failed on the first two, <laughs> tried hard in both. And uh, I get the pleasure of working with Bruce, which is an unbelievable honour. So I'm nowhere near a Bruce McAvaney, I can assure you, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. And 
I had a background in racing through my grandmother, believe it or not, you'll love this. My grandma gave me a betting account when I was 11 and she used to allow me to have 50 cents. This is back in the day where you could have 50 cents each way on a horse. She would put the call in for me. I'd back one horse per race. She was down in Tassie. Her brother was a trainer. Another brother owned a horse, many horses, including a Melbourne Cup uh, horse who uh, who ran in the cup, a little Tasmanian. So that was fantastic. So I was always surrounded by, by racing. I had some cousins who were jockeys. I was around the vernacular. And then while I was doing different work in media and, and the like, because I could talk racing, I eventually got an opportunity through Dr. Turf at uh, TVN. Uh, TVN, the main host on a Saturday, didn't want to do Friday night. So they said, we'll outsource it, try to do something different. Turfy got involved. He asked me to be involved because I was doing a bit of radio with SEN and uh, the door opened and I uh, burst through it. And basically it's just evolved ever since. Aiden? He's got after that. <laughs> Have we seen Australia's first sub 10 runner? Yeah, his name's Patrick Johnson and it was about 20 years ago, brother. He ran 9.93. Of my era. <laughs> Good save. Um, eventually, he will. Rowan Browning, he's a brilliant talent and he's young and emerging. He's so fresh at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's only a matter of time. He'll break 10 seconds. And the interesting, last night in Zurich was the Diamond League uh, final. He made the field. He ran sixth in the final. He ran 10.12, which is a bit, you know, off his absolute best. But he came sixth, but what it what it did is he actually got a taste for it. He was in amongst the boys. I reckon if you look at that, look at that 100 meters in the first 15 meters, he's right with them. He'll get a lot of confidence from that. He's trained by uh, a coach by a really good mate of mine, Andrew Murphy, who was just a brilliant Olympic uh, triple jumper, but also an outstanding sprinter as well. So he's got the right people behind him. Yeah, he'll eventually uh, break 10. Um, He's the best sprinter we've had since Matt Shervington. And around the Matt Shervington era was Patrick Johnson, who was the first Australian to run sub 10 when he ran 9.93 um, in Japan, which was brilliant. I was in a, sort of the slight era before with Damien Marsh and Steve Brimacombe and Dean Capabianco and Shane Naylor, some, some great athletes, but uh, couldn't break 10. But PJ did, and uh, I reckon Rowan will be next. Last one on the Olympics. Who will take over from Bruce? As a caller, um, do you reckon Dave Colbert was good? Um, mm. He's a fantastic caller. Uh, it might be Matt Hill. Matt Hill's a brilliant race caller. Um, whether or not, I mean, no one will have the incredible knowledge that Bruce does. So Bruce is not only the caller, but he's also, he's also the expert because his knowledge is extraordinary. But what you find with Bruce is that doesn't come from just luck or a photographic memory that comes from hours and hours of hard work and for anyone who's a young broadcaster out there the best thing you can do is actually learn from someone like him and I you know aspire to be like him and I'm from his school of thinking um, you know it comes a Saturday race meeting if I'm hosting I've, I've got to arrive in the studio with 20 hours of preparation not with two because you know that Bruce will put in 40 hours of preparation. You can't match his level of, of detail. And the reality is that he'll come away from a Saturday race meeting that we do together on seven. He will basically use about 10% of the research he's put together. 
And that's just a reality. He doesn't bemoan that. Whereas a lot of broadcasters start to think, I'm going to shortcut and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm short of time. I'll go and do a sporty here. I'll go and, you know, bite off more than I can chew and do a whole lot of other things. Bruce is like, no, uncompromising in his preparation. So there would never be another one who will actually call Dave Colbert or maybe even a Matty Hill. Yeah, just it, it just comes across from a viewer that Bruce has set a new benchmark in terms of professionalism and uh, especially like guys like yourself and Matty Hill, um, he set a level of expectation and you guys are simply either got to live up to that expectation or uh, move on because the next person will be prepared to do so. Damn straight. And then it's interesting because the next, you know, you guys talk to the next generation and you're from that next generation. You know, my, my young kids are, are a step behind you guys. Um, I look at the, their age rather than yours. And that's a generation of people who take a lot of shortcuts. And this is one profession that you just simply can't, can't take shortcuts. So um, Bruce sets the mark. We all should aspire to it. You know, guys like Hamish McLaughlin, brilliant in his amount of research as well. I think it's the minimum requirement you should do. And it's interesting, you know, people say, you know, when, when Bruce gives it, you know, are you going to try to be the next Bruce? I'm like, no, no, I want to work with Bruce because he's, you just, in anything you do, you want to be surrounded by great people. So you all lift together. Last thing you want to do is have that mentality of, I want to be the superstar and surround myself with duds. So I shine. That is not sustainable. Surround yourself with brilliant people and just learn off them and all raise, rise as one. And, uh, you know, thank God we've got Bruce around it. And you know what? In racing, thank God he loves racing. Yeah. I'd love racing to really grab hold of the fact that this is one of the two sports that he's chosen. He's retired from, from footy. He's retired from basically everything else. He's doing the Olympics and racing. And I get staggered every year that we have all these racing awards um, and his name's never mentioned. All these, you know, you've got to be you've got to be in the Victorian Racing Media Award Association to be eligible. I'm not, so I'm not eligible. Um, all these people, all these criteria, you've got to nominate yourself. Garbage. Racing in Australia need to go. How good's that bloke? Let's make sure that we tell everyone he's ours, reward him, and make sure he feels included. Hundred yeah, percent. So tell us, how do you get stuck into the form, Richo? I think one of the hardest um, gigs, and we've we find it in print sometimes, but you do get on on a Thursday. Acceptances are on a Wednesday. Hmm. So it's a pretty small window to get right stuck into the form and, and settle on what you want to be backing on a Saturday. Yeah, it did right. So um, so the fields come out, New South Wales, um, the acceptances declared at uh, about you know 10.30 to 11. Uh, Victoria, frustratingly, you wait, refresh, refresh, refresh. Around midday, um, uh, someone finally types it in and up come the fields. And then that sets you away because I'm starting to work on it. Uh, basically, as soon as the acceptances are there, then I'm starting to work on it. Listen, let me declare, I do not consider myself a form expert. I'm not a form analyst at all. I'm the host of our show, but it's important for when I'm hosting Seven Racing or also hosting Get On that I've done the form. However, I, I you know, rarely declare any tips. I do some on, uh, on get on because uh, I'm just being part of it. So, um, but, you know, I certainly don't consider myself a, a form analyst like a, 
um, Dean Lester or David Gately or, or, or others that live and, live and breathe it. So I start with um, my acceptances come out. Now I print the way that I tend to do, I'm looking for something to use as a basis for me to do notes. Now for me as a host, um, I'm looking for a whole lot of historical data because I'm trying to provide information that the form experts aren't going to provide because they're concentrating purely on, on form. But if you're asking me on a form basis only, start with the uh, start with the fields, go through the gear changing. One thing that I've always done that few others do, but I find it important to try to understand the profile of the animal. I go back and look at the price and where they were purchased as a yearling um, and have a look at their breeding to see if I can get a profile from them, whether they're from a family of wet trackers and the like. Um, that gear change, where we're racing, so we're racing at Flemington, we're racing on a good surface, wet surface, trying to do that. And then I start simply watching replays. Now I'm a visual learner. So I watch all the replays first and I trust my eye making notes accordingly. And then I will cross-reference that with the data of sectional times and also using Vince Arcati's uh, IVR ratings. So they're the thing I use after I, uh, I go through all the replays. And once again, you know, I've got a lot of mates who, you know, love the punt, but then haven't got the time to do it because they're lawyers or, or whatever, whatever profession they're in. I say, you know, follow a Dean Lester or a David Gately, whoever it may be, and just follow them for the length of the time because rest assured they've done the work. And that's what, there's no shortcuts, as you two know. There's no shortcuts in this. If you haven't done, you know, conservatively eight hours of form for a Flemington car, like the reality is, and, and even then you're going to make, even then you're going to make, what, 10 to 20% profit on turnover if you're doing a good job. So if you're just a, a social punter or a pub punter, um, gee, it's hard. It's hard to be able to get it right. So therefore, I would follow some of the experts. And racing doesn't make it make it any easier with replays in Victoria on one website and replays in New South Wales on another website and you jump on the tab app and they don't have access to Victoria. And I know you've been vocal on um, our historical data is hopeless. Um, if, if Racing Australia... Um, I think you wrote an open letter to Racing Australia making that something that they should really focus on. And it's so easy to do, Dan. That's the problem. That's where it's more frustrating than anything yeah. is all the information's there. Uh, Malcolm McLaren, uh, Gary Crisp, um, Danny Power, Nick Egan, they've all done the work. Mm. It's just sitting there. Racing Australia merely needs to say, this is important to us. Let's get this group together. Let's work on, um, I mean, the first rule that we need to agree on in 1979, 1980, sorry to bore you, next generation, you go, listen to this old flog. Um, <laughs> in 1979, 1980, Group 1 Racing came in. Now, when Group 1 Racing came in, 40-odd races were straight away inducted as Group 1 races. It makes perfect sense for our historical records to say, well, those 40 races that were initially made group ones retrospectively we'll go back through history and they are the group ones yep that makes perfect sense but then what that means is the flight states for example wasn't made a group one in 1979 1980 when it first came in it was upgraded later on now tj smith won 12 14 of them but never won them as a group one see he can't be allocated that as a group one because when he won it it wasn't a group one it was a principal race that wasn't a group one. Once we all toss around that idea, set that in stone, agree with that, 
Let's compare the four or five guys that have done the work. Let's compare their records. Check out any areas of discussion. And you know what? Once and for all, let's all put it into a database that's available for everyone to understand, everyone to consume, so that when Damien Oliver wins a Group 1 on Faironte, wins the Melbourne Cup, which is 100th Group 1, we all celebrate it. We don't all go... Well, I think it's 94. I think it's 102. I reckon it's 97. It's embarrassing. It doesn't happen in other sports. We've got to get it right. All right. Should we have a look at the Maccabi Diva Stakes? I know you've done all your form because you've tipped uh, tipped the punters on Get On last yep. night. Um, tell us, how do you start with the Maccabi Diva form? So as you said, you dig into the the um, the replays. Um, a number yep. of these horses coming through the Wink Stakes in Sydney. Um, some have run at the, in the Memsey. Um, how do you put it all together? It's tough, isn't it? So I look at, um, so my basis for the Mackay Medieva was wait for age 1600 metres. When do you consider, I'm going off on a tangent yet again, when you consider that Australia is always about breeding sprinter milers, wait for age group one races worth a million dollars in Australia we don't have many of them, do we? We have a George Main. We have a Maccabi Diva. What else do we have? Yeah, the, the uh, Turak and Cantala are handicaps. Correct. So is the Doncaster. So is the Epsom. Epsom, yep. So wait for rage. Group one mile races worth a million bucks. That's what I'm talking about. We've got, you know what? We've got to get more of them. Maybe change some of those handicaps. That's a separate topic. Well, we've got so, an all-star mile now, Richo. And an all-star mile, which might eventually become a group one, whether it needs it, who knows. But yeah. that's my basis. So I'm looking for a proven weight for age mile. Now, Flemington's such a fair track. So I think of Sir Dragonette. I think he's a 2,000-metre rain-affected track horse. Mile, will he be sharp enough, fresh? I'm willing to risk him. 50 stars. You know he runs really well at Flemington. So you get the tick there and he's a weight for age performer. You get the tick. He's getting a little long in the tooth. He's second up from a spell, but he's in the mix. I give yep, him a yep. highlight. KI Nautique, group one winner in Japan. Firm track there when he won a group one. He sat last. Go and check out that on YouTube. It's an unbelievable win. Sits near last. Storms down the outside. You can imagine that's a very similar scenario to Flemington, but will there be enough speed on? Loved his run in the winks. His full brother won the race last year. Um, so he's definitely going in the race. Imaging, you go and look at the wink stakes. So unlucky in behind. He's a miler. He's not a group one winner yet, but he's a miler weight for age performer who just missed in a uh, group one over 1400 metres. He certainly goes in the mix. Mount Popper's a stayer, needs the run. Incentivize. What did you two do with incentivize? Because at 10 bucks, 15 bucks, he's in my calculations. At four bucks, I'm going to risk him all day because... I'm looking for wait for age proven group one performers at a mile. What did you do with him? I'm waiting for further. Hayden? I'm completely neutral on him and he can go around without me. And because of the price, yeah. Oh, he wouldn't be in price or no price for mine. He could okay. be 20 to one. He could be 20 to one and I was still not going to play with him. Okay, so that's fascinating. Whereas other people um, have punched him into their data and just said, mate, this horse rates through the roof. I mean, he's been backed as though he's a second coming of Farland. I mean, he's my lay in the race. If he wins, well, then I don't. Explosive Jack, stayer resuming, um, hits the line nicely. Not in, not for me. Johnny get angry, ditto. And then we get to these bunch of four-year-olds. Aegon, a mile specialist. Muunga, a mile specialist. 
They go straight to the top of my list. Aegon was unlucky in a Memzi, comes through the right form reference, um, draws a low barrier, can get a soft run, has got a good elite turn of foot. Mwanga's there with him. So I think they both have to be in calculations. Colette probably needs it soft, but ran really well. Um, where will it be in the run? And it probably has to go back from a wide gate. Tafane, a question mark at a mile for mine. She can over race, but then there's no speed in the race. If they could get her to settle, she could be sitting there on speed and to be too fast for them, willing to risk that she over races again. And then inspirational girl, is she quite up to it? Wait for age. I know she's won a group one in the past, but that was a handicap. So short answer. I then keep going back to what was my criteria? Wait for age, mile on the, on the fairest and biggest track in Australia, the best track in Australia. So I go Aegon, Mwanga. Mwanga ahead of Aegon. I think he's slightly better. And the X Factor, Kai Nautique. I'm going to back all three of them, secure them, uh, $5 around Mwanga. You can get $10 Aegon, $14 Kai Nautique. Do your staking accordingly to make sure you get a good result with all of them. That's my play. You mentioned IVR data. How do you incorporate that? And do you listen to trainers um, on RSN? And how do you block out that noise? Now, I, I, I listen to them. I listen to their information and you get to know them. You get to know the ones and you listen to what they don't say or what they, you know, what sort of the, the message behind. Um, rule number one for me, I don't take a tip because I'm going to lose my money. I might as well lose my money on my thoughts rather than... Uh, Hey, Damien Ratcliffe told me that this horse was a uh, huge chance. Hayden reckons, mate, it'll be, uh, it's a moral that's been trolling up and then I lose my money and then I'm filthy on you two. I'd rather just be filthy on myself. So I, I don't listen to a tip. Um, so yeah, you've got to listen to, you know, the trainers, you hear their information. Some of them are more, you know, forthright. So um, take all that on board, but then I, I think you've really got to back yourself, you know, and that's why, believe it or not, I take a quaddy one out in every leg with my top selection because I think, why not back myself to be right in all four legs? One day you'll hit it. Well, it happens maybe once a year, I reckon. Um, sometimes they it's a short dividend, but every quaddy you have, I also go one by one by one. But why wouldn't I be making sure that I back my own judgment? So for a group one like that, um, that's the way to tackle it. I mean, I love... I don't know what you two like. Yeah, I love banding at Flemington. I think Flemington is such an awesome track. And when we don't have rain, remember last week, we were worried about how much rain is going to come at the Valley. Um, it's so much easier for us this time, isn't it? And what about the fact on a Thursday that you've put your tips? Do you, do you ever feel like you have to change them on a Saturday? The conditions have changed. The rain didn't come as much. You feel like you've committed on live TV to your tips and then you've you, you know, you've got a change of heart. Yeah, well, it's because it, it, I'm, you know, not a form analyst. So when I'm working on racing.com, um, not that I'm doing Saturdays now, but when I was right, Saturdays, they didn't ask me for my selection. Whereas um, on seven, I have to select. So I have the opportunity of only putting a tip in on a Saturday. We've got Dean Lester, who's doing the form for us on seven as well, as well as tapping into the racing.com experts. So on seven on a Saturday afternoon, I have a roughie. So I'm just looking for a $10 plus chance just for our audience to, to throw in the mix. So um, here's a perfect example. So the Maccabi Diva on Get On, I staked $50 Mwanga, $30 Aegon, $20 uh, Kai Nautique. But when it comes to seven, 
I'll be tipping as my roughy KI Nautique because it'll be the one that'll be over $10. So I know, you know, Gator's a great mate of mine and I've got so much respect for David Gately. He refuses, will not ever change his tips. And his tips come out on a Wednesday night and then he does, you know, preview shows and does radio shows and the like. He's unwavering. And even when it comes to Saturday morning, he's locked in. So I look at best bets. Um, what I've got here is incentivize ahead of Tafane, Mwanga and Collette. Not negotiable. They will be his selections, even if it's raining sideways and it's a heavy 10 on Saturday. He just sticks with them. I think when you've got 129 different contracts like Gator, um, it'd be a bit <laughs> awkward if he's tipping one thing on RSN and another thing on Sky and then another thing in best bets. Oh, I can imagine that. Uh, hey, now you a Lionel Messi fan, brother. Did you just go the right way with a uh, Paris Saint-Germain? Yeah, I've been on for a while. I'm uh, one of those, when I've got a second sports, AFL and racing are my prime two sports. But when it comes to the second tier of sports, I like to uh, get a little bit of silverware. So I went over to PSG a couple of years ago. Um, I'm a Manchester City fan and a Melbourne City fan. So they're the directions that I head in. Oof, PSG, mate, what a coup, Messi. I was just in Tokyo for the Olympic Games and uh, all the Nike stores were full of PSG stuff there. And there was some great, gear that I was thinking about purchasing and then jumped on the plane and jumped into quarantine in Sydney and then found out the news that Messi was going there. So I was a little dirty on myself. So that top was the first thing I noticed when I saw you. Yeah, I'm uh, Conan Mbappe was the reason that I originally went there. Um, I was really taken by him as a youngster in the World Cup and head in that direction. Oh, fantastic, mate. Uh, what else do you like at Flemington, team? What are you thinking on, on Saturday? I mean, there's so many shorties that... You can imagine there'll be punters tomorrow morning that'll go Artorius, Ingratiating, Ayrton, roll them all into each other. What, $5, $5.50 or something, you roll all the shorties in at the moment. Yep. Um, interesting, probably Ingratiating in, that, in the toughest of the races of those threes, maybe the most vulnerable, yet you listen to Damien Oliver and says how well this horse has trained on since um, his first up win. So... There'll be many punters that'll be loving the big multi all up. Yeah, I think yeah, finance, finance Tycoon has a bit of X factor. So he's the main da danger to ingratiating. I think Ayrton just wins, doesn't he, Aiden? Uh, Ayrton gets a perfect race shape and there's a lot to like. Um, John Allen's got a pretty easy job this time. Caulfield was a little bit difficult. He had to negotiate himself to the outside and really had to trust the horse. He took a similar run line to Mars Crusader on the day. Um, I think this is a lot easier for John. Um, he'll just negotiate down the Flemington straight, make sure he's got clean air. And I think he'll ride it for one big explosive burst. John's pretty good at that. Um, it's a tactic he does use a lot. And when John's got the confidence in a horse, um, you know, he's not scared to roll the dice a little bit and make it a bit closer than what it should be. Um, I really can't see Ayrton getting beat. I think Ayrton's got a big handicap mile group one in him. Yeah. Um, and this is just going to be a scalp along the way. I can't see any of those getting near him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Artorias will win. Finance Tycoon, yeah, is the obvious danger to ingratiating. Don't underestimate Chris Waller's pair. Yeah, he's been looking for a dry track, Shakiro, and also Ranchan. I reckon they will be they'll be improvers um, down here on on the perfect surface. And and Chris Waller places his horses so well at Flemington, so they can be the fly in the ointment there. But in Grey Shady deserves to be favourite. So um, 
maybe he's the most vulnerable out of those three. I'm with you. I think, and I do love Artorias. I think he's he's a really progressive cult too. So, mate, they're going to be highlights. I mean, it, it is a great day of racing. Yeah, it's a great day, mate. You've been generous with your time. A couple of quick fire questions. Best win on the punt because I think I might have walked out of Flemington and bumped into you on Cup Day in uh, Twilight Payment. Yeah, well, um, Twilight Payment, you would have been good, mate, because uh, that was that was a good day. Um, I've had some a lot of luck in the Melbourne Cup. I won't lie. And when when you're actually working on free to air TV in an audience that's different to racing, different to the pure racing audience, if you can nail the Melbourne Cup winner, it sort of gives you twelve months. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can be considered for going that outside racing audiences as an expert. So, mate, I've had great luck with, you know, rekindling and cross counter were really, really great results uh, for me. Twilight payment last year was great though. Even the runner up might've even been um, better for me, but I think the, the best result that I've had was I back in the old TVN days, um, I convinced Nick Williams, if I could bring a camera up to Macedon Lodge and we were, parading all these various horses who just jumped off the plane and uh, Seville went through the water. He looked a magnificent type and he goes, oh, I think we're going to set him for the Metropolitan. I thought, gee, he looks great, that horse, and went through his European form. And then Faulkner was at that stage the favourite for the Epsom. I said, oh, here's the favourite for the Epsom. And he goes, no, no, I think we're going to run him in the Caulfield Cup. I thought, what a great idea to run that horse in a Caulfield Cup. And believe it or not, I literally went, left there. I drove to the Macedon pub that had a TAB <laughs> and I had all ups and I had Seville in the Metrop into uh, Faulkner in the Caulfield Cup and Seville won the uh, the Metrop and that Caulfield Cup when, when Faulkner came storming down the outside. That was a beautiful moment. When they, when they say to you, mate, uh, you're going to have to take a check. That's good times, brother. That's good times. Now you're on annual leave and you've got to take one tipster's tips. Who are you picking? Who's your man? Yeah, can you qualify that? Where am I where am I betting? Uh, you're betting this week. You haven't done the research. You're on annual leave. Um, you need someone's tips for the Maccabi Diva on Saturday. You haven't so seen them Melbourne. yet. You're betting so in Melbourne. I'm betting in Melbourne. Well, then I'm hanging out. I reckon I'm hanging out with uh, my man, Dean Lester. I'm hanging in tight with Dino with due respect to uh, David Gately and Clint Hutchison um, and so many other experts who uh, tip in that area. Uh, Dino is my man. Um, I, I'm, if I'm down to my last 50 and I'm in Hong Kong, I'm grabbing Hutchie and trying to ruffle his little hair and hoping not too hard. I don't want it to fall out. Um, <laughs> I actually reckon David Gately's brilliant in Sydney. I yep. really think he's got a great grasp of his Sydney form. I think he's underutilised in Sydney. Um, I and, and Hayden's giving me a nod there. I think he's a brilliant form analyst in Sydney. And here's a sleeping giant for you, as I give so many answers and you go, you better die any action for one. There's a guy called Brendan Tupper who does not want to be front and centre, but he is a brilliant form analyst. Um, he just does it in... Uh, in written form, through best bets and some other forums, he's a great judge, mate. Don't worry about that. He's certainly worth looking at. And last one, what what's what would you like to send to the next-gen crew? What do you think is important racing-wise to capture the next generation? Well, what I'd love to send to the next-gen is what we've tried to do in our gen um, that I've come into racing. Hopefully, people 
will look at um, what I've done in our racing media space and go, God, that guy annoys the crap out of me. He's not a good form judge, but he does appear to love it. And uh, if I could give to our next gen anything would be my love of racing. Because if everyone can just embrace it, whether, and, and you know what? It's not all about just punting. It's about the whole aspect of the sport. There can be some people who just love to look at the breeding, can be infatuated with the breeding. Some can be infatuated with the animal. Some love the party. Let's not shun those. Let's embrace them. Some love the fashion. Don't shun them. Embrace them. But whatever you do, the great group of everyone that loves to get to the races, whether it be Derby Day, All-Star Mile Day, Golden Slipper Day, Whatever brings them there, if part of the next gen, if you come away with it with a smile on your face and you love it and you're surrounded by people who love it, then I reckon we've got a good future. And that's on you too and others to make sure that we spread that message, mate, because uh, it's an awesome sport. We just want more and more people to fall in love with it. Yeah, that comes through on Get On. Hayden, got a couple uh, questions and then I might hit Jace with a couple of quick ones from our Facebook group. Yeah, very quickly. Um... I spend my time, Jace, with uh, working very, very closely with Vince Accardi, yep. um, providing sexual times, data, analytics, et cetera, et cetera. You and the team at racing.com have had a look under the bonnet of the IBR platform. Yep. There's other platforms out there, ratings to win, punting form, et cetera, et cetera. From a broadcasting point of view, with you guys knowing what's in the background, yep. what what do you think from a broadcasting point of view would you like to bring forward to the audience um, that you know is there but you can't? Well, the first thing that I love to bring forward, and trust me, I, I, I live and breathe it. Uh, you know, page three, the daily sectionals printout is, is my little Bible um, where Vince does all the ratings and marries up the various uh, races throughout the day and gives him his IVR rating. And it's an adjusted IVR rating, but I really trust what he's doing. The one thing that we would love as broadcasters that I get extremely frustrated about is about information quickly. When Usain Bolt runs in the 100 metres and hits the line, Bruce McAvaney can celebrate A, the performance, and B, the time and what that means retrospectively to the great performances of all time. You can put it into perspective instantly. In racing, we're at a massive disadvantage because we just have to trust our eye. A, we watch mm. it for the first time. And as soon as Matt Hill says the last horse's name, then we are starting to talk. And we're talking with no time data at our fingertips at all. We don't know how the race was run in regards to tempo. We guess... We, we, we can trust our eye and, gee, that looked breakneck speed, but was it? Do we really know? And it's not until we get Vince's data and other data so much longer after the event that if racing could somehow get that right, um, I don't know, the, and I trust me, I'm not a technical guy, I don't have the answer to that, but that's my frustration. We have unbelievable stuff that we could get access to with great minds and great analytics but it takes so long. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's sort of like a, it's a Monday night show, but I'm wanting to comment on it. Um, 10 seconds after the race has just been completed on a Saturday. That's my number one frustration. Yeah. The only thing we have closest to that is probably the uh, 55 second challenge at Mooney Valley, which does give a bit of atmosphere, doesn't it? When you see a- Perfect example. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you know, through you know, my team, Nick Egan, who's brilliant doing all the stats for us on channel seven, you know, I've actually got a printout that I take with me to the races every time I'm doing Mooney Valley, which has all the all-time performances. So straight away I can see the time, put it into context of yep. you know where it ranks in the all-time on the all-time list. But every other time we cannot trust the time that goes on the screen because it often gets adjusted. Um, that is such a frustration for anyone because think about it. It's, it's the only sport which is actually a race. Mm. That time seems irrelevant. No one really reflects on the time until we sort of dissect it all on a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah. It seems weird. Yeah. Frustrating. Couple from the Facebook group, if you don't mind, Jace. Kane O'Halloran, how long is BZ's Let It Ride, ride ban going to last? No, he's banned for life now. Um, <laughs> he unfortunately put his hand up after we gave him a, you know, we had a good three or four months cooling his heels. He put his hand up again and said, yep. I said, mate, you've got to get involved. Get involved. <laughs> and he stuffed it up again. And you know what? He's actually accepted that that's not a space for him. So he's banned for life. And for good. Okay, Luke Fazalo, how many metres start would you need to take out this year's stall gift? Or next year's, I should say. Well, the most you can get is 10. Um, and hopefully if um, our team have done the right thing and, and Rowan Browning and maybe Johan Blake from Jamaica are there off zero um, and I've only got a 10-metre head start <laughs> over 120 with really tight hammies and tight cuts, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to struggle, I think, mate. And you know what? No one, and I repeat, no one wants to see me do that. Lockie Chapman, he's losing his hair quickly. He wants tips on how to rock the look from the world's sexiest bald man. Beautifully said, my friend. Um, you know what? The first thing, embrace it. Do not try with any sort of not. Hey, give us a look. What's underneath your hat, mate? How are you going there, bro? No, I'm all good. No, you're sweet. Mate. You're sweet. Um, <laughs> he's just lazy. <laughs> You, whatever you do, don't try to fight a war because you cannot win it. And don't believe any of the ads. That's just glue. That's no good. Don't put a rug on your head. <laughs> just embrace it. And it was interesting. You mentioned the stall gift. Um, so I was 22 years of age. I put my head down for an interview with Neil Kearney after I'd won and I saw a slot <laughs> ball patch. Shaved my head instantly. Wow. Did, wanted to get ahead of the curve. Now people don't realise I'm buddy 95 years of age. <laughs> and Adam Barclay, last question. Is it true that you wear the bullet from the starter's gun at the stall gift or as a necklace? That is 100% incorrect. And that was a rumour <laughs> set, set out by uh, my James Brayshaw, the great uh, AFL and, uh, and cricket commentator, is the godfather to my sister's kids. And he's run with it. And Gary Lyon on SEN <laughs> thinks it's hilarious. And he's run with it. And there is no skerrick of truth to it. But unfortunately, like all good things in the media, mate, I've got to be a good sport and just cop it. But uh, I can assure you, never wear it. Mate, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. We've gone a little bit over today, but uh, I'm sure the punters at home have enjoyed the chat. All the best on Saturday. Um, hopefully we can see you at the races soon. Happy punning and thanks for the invite, boys. Thank Cheers, you, Jason. All right, Richo's going to sign off. We're going to stick around and uh, dissect the rest of this card. He's obviously got Mwanga, Aegon, and KI Nautique as his three tips in the Maccabi Diva Stakes. Aiden, how have you broken down the form? See you, mate. Um, you should be able to just hit N down the bottom corner, Richo. Perfect, buddy. See you soon. See you, mate. Take care. How have you broken down the Maccabi Diva form, mate? 
I thought it was a fascinating race. I was a little bit nervous when I first um, got the cut because you used me as a little bit of clickbait midweek and said, um, let's take on Aegon, um, who I wasn't um, – I'm not backing over an old story here. I wasn't <laughs> um, in any way, shape or form being negative on the horse. Um, I was slightly – I was just bringing to uh, the fore that I thought the horse had a limit at this point um, and I felt very safe um, marking that horse at a certain point. Then when I went to the race itself, I had a good look at the, um, I had a good look at it. And I noticed, um, my little boy, Aegon, he's been eights out to tens yeah. on, on the TAB market. And I think a lot of this race is going to, um, divulge around who's got the best 600 meter kick. It's when we, when we go into these races and we have a look, we come up with these theories that races that have no speed are going to play um, favourable to those who can take up a position on speed. Yep. And we're trying to basically place horses used to Farnay, for example, who hasn't um, taken a forward role or hasn't led, should I say. Uh, we're placing like horses like that in front. We're giving horses like... Um, Aegon forward positions in the run, etc. But what we're um, really doing when we get to these high class, high talent horses is these horses here can be very, very dangerous in races like Epsom's and Doncaster's, etc. When they've come through their three-year-old um, careers, you know, they've come through races like Golden Roses, um, Guineas, etc. This is the creme de la creme of their era. Um, and this is a race which, to me, focuses around who's got the best six and, in particular, the best 400-metre kick, who can absorb a big mid-race squeeze and really fire off it. Um, it's not going to be the reverse-style race shape where we're asking for who's the supreme athlete, who's the endurance athlete. Um, you know, this is going to purely come down to class and speed. And potentially a horse who could kick this hard in a race like this isn't going to be out of play in a race like a Cox Plate, etc. Yeah. Um, yep. I couldn't understand the market. I can, from a visual perspective, in saying that a horse like Incentivize, he's where we've got to start. I think the TAB's got him somewhere in the $3.80. Is that correct? Yeah, $3.90. Yeah. Where he's, you know, he's been a wrecking ball up in Brisbane. Um, he's shown sustained speed. He's proven that, um, you know, north of 2,000 metres, he he can be dominant against his opposition. Um, he's got a good kick at the end of his races, particularly over distance. Um, and all you've really got from a mile profile from a horse like him is the Sunshine Coast performance. So I really, really can't understand how he's a lot shorter than a horse like Mwanga who when we're looking for a horse to go to a wait for age mile race, um, is there any better form than out punching a horse like a very elegant, beating the likes of Colding, um, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that would be the traditional form line and a form line that we thrive on when they come down from Sydney. And for some reason, this little bloke um, is going around $5. Yep. I can't understand the price. Um, and I've marked him clearly the horse to beat. Um, 
incentivized. He's a profile that I would take on all day, every day. He does have X factor. He's got a lot of unknown about him. Um, he's got an outstanding trainer of horses um, in Peter Moody. But surely the aim with a horse like him is going to be... Um, Caulfield Cup. A Caulfield Cup pressing on to a Melbourne Cup and not looking to peak until um, that first weekend in no first week in November, should I say? So he's less talented than Zaki. I'm not comparing him to Zaki in any way, shape, or form. But he comes through with what I said about Zaki last week. If he beats these, they're not going to beat him again. Yeah. Um, so. For me, it was Mwanga. It was Mwanga clear. I looked away from him um, and felt like the race really started to jam up in behind him. 50 stars, Richo mentioned horse who he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. And you've mentioned him a couple of times on here yep, that love him. Um, he really can launch second up. I questioned his first up run to say, can I push you back one more? Is that the third up run this time in? Um, yep. You are older. You are going to progress a little bit later. Um, so I had that little question mark, but I couldn't dismiss him because I thought he was um, on exposed class, IVR class. He was the best horse in the race to some extent. Um, then the other horse that I was really taken with, and I tried to work out whether I was just kidding myself or not, um, was K.I. Nautique, who Rich I also mentioned. He was explosive Randwick. I mentioned Randwick last week on last week's um, preview show that you have to be very wary of those horses that were coming down the outside attacking um, Moanga and Very Elegant. They were in the lanes, Moanga and Very Elegant, but the um, She's Ideal, K.I. Nautique, et cetera, they got out really wide and got into the fast stuff. There's going to be some artificial speed with those horses. This horse, K.I. Nautique, which I mentioned it, go back and have a look at the replay. He's one who, at his top, he's got elite level straight line speed. That's what we're going to need for Flemington. So they're the horses that I have taken under my wing, and I think they're the three most difficult to beat. In terms of the question that everybody... Well, not really everybody. Um, I'll say that me, you, and Tim Kennedy want answered is who am I going to go in as the horse to beat Aegon? Um, it will be the Japanese horse, KI Nautic. All right. So the Punk King accepted your offer on Twitter. Tim Kennedy, he's happy to take Aegon. You're taking KI Nautic. The loser will donate 100 to a charity of their choice. Your, um, your charity is Juvenile Diabetes. That's correct. And and we'll find out from the Punk King uh, over the next day what his charity is. It would um, probably be, um, Tim's would probably be Geelong's Mad Monday, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, you picked the Giants to win um, last week. The Cats got the job done. So the Giants have another week. Uh, sorry, the Cats have another week in the final series. Mate, I saw the form pretty similar to you. Um, I've got Mwanga on top. I'm two from two so far in our group ones this year. And uh, tip Mwanga in the winks. and. Yeah, he went to the same level first up as he did last prep. And I see him elevating second up like he did last prep. Last prep, he was really unlucky in the Randwick Guineas 1600 metre group one. 
I think he ran a plus 3.6 and had a big mid-race. Uh, I think it was the four to the two was a big slowdown. So I see him running around that plus uh, three and a half to plus four figure. And I'm not sure who's going to match that. Obviously, Tafane is one that can go to that plus four, but she's probably a little question mark at the 1600. Um, and I don't know enough about KI Nautique as big as a run his was. Um, I'm happy to see him uh, do what he does on the weekend. So I'll beat Mwanga on top. All right, mate, let's uh, rush through. Well, not, we don't rush. We've gone for 15, 50 minutes, but we will flick through the other races on the card. Pondus is 380, Turid and three, uh, sorry, Pondus is $3, Turid and 380 in the opening race of the day over 2,500 metres. Yeah, difficult race to assess. Not a race I'm really interested in from a betting point of view. Um, I was taken by Turidan's performance. Second up, this track, 2,000 metres. Um, or not second up, sorry. Two runs back, this track, 2,000 metres. He was the second best of the day performance overall. Then went to Caulfield, went 18.3 lengths slower through the first section than the start prior. At an 18.8 length squeeze through the mid-race. Took his mid-race pace to 2.7 lengths above benchmark. I thought Jai got himself into positions that he didn't really want to be in um, on multiple occasions, and it just proved how good the horse was by winning. So him, for me, can go right back to the level that he went to two starts ago, and he's the horse to beat for mine. Just from Kulth, who was put himself into a world of pain at Mooney Valley to start, uh, last start. Damien Lane got stuck on the inside, had no option to go from lane one to lane eight. Um, come tearing down the outside. Question mark for him is the 2,500. Um, but worth watching in a race like this. All right. Just quickly, I want to ask Turidan. Um, last start two weeks ago, um, and I've got Turidan on top, mind you, but um, massive mid-race squeeze, I think minus 16.1 through the first section. Uh, mid-race squeeze of 18.18. Any risk of flatness? No, not off that. He's flying that horse. Okay, I've got uh, Turidan on top. Race two is the Exford Plate, Artorias. The Blue Diamond winner is $1.65. Does he get beat? Um, really nice horse. Loved his performance at Caulfield. Cost himself between the six and the four. He just looked a bit culty to mine. Um, I think the stable will be aware of that. Could be wrong. That was just a visual observation. Um, he savages the line. Not 100% positive he wants uh, 1,400 second up, but he's definitely the class horse of the race. All right, so you're not betting? No. All right, I'll have something each way on he's exceptional. I thought um, the performance at Mooney Valley, um, first up this campaign, uh, was above benchmark. You rarely see these, um, or it takes a good three-year-old to um, be breaking benchmark um, early in their season. Uh, he's really taken another step from um, his two-year-old campaign. So he looks like a horse that I'm happy to back at $14 and around $3 the place. Race three, the Poseidon Stakes, ingratiating $1.95 finance tycoon is $3.30. I think it looks a race in two jigsaws at uh, $7 and Shakira 11 the other one that uh, Richo mentioned from Chris Waller's stable is Ranch Hand at 19 and Dio's got a little bit of talent for the Hawks camp as well at 16 so it's a, a nice race but I think it's between ingratiating and finance tycoon yeah is this like a preview or a prelude to a Coolmore and we see this crop 
um, versus the Sydney crop who go through the Golden Rose style series um, and then whoever else we can find in the country to come across and we end up with a field of 20 in a Cornwall. Is this like a little look at that? Potentially. I think it's worth noting that Godolphin have done a great job in keeping their good horses apart. Um, you know, ingratiating, um, you know, has been able to uh, win first up and avoid some of the stable mates um, and finance tycoon uh, worth noting a new stable with Danny O'Brien. But yes, I think we could see these horses in some uh, bigger races. I think these two are among the best of their age group so far. Yeah, I was taken by this horse's performance ingratiating at Caulfield. Worth going back for those who um, like to do replays and like to do videos, etc. Go back, have a look. Um, four lengths below benchmark first section, really easy squeeze through the mid. Um, you watch Damien between the six and the four. He just increases the speed. He goes to have a look and he just feels for the horse going, coming around the corner, has to make his decision because he can feel underneath him that they haven't gone that hard and they're going to accelerate in the straight, which makes it very hard for a backmarker to win off that type of race shape when he knows the last 250, 300 metres is going to be very sharp. Um, he feels for the horse and he makes his decision. He knows he's got to be going very well to come to the outside. Um, and he has to trust what he's got under him. Pulls to the outside, and this thing just let rip. 3.7 lengths above benchmark combined last 400, accelerating last two. Is a horse going places? Horse to beat for mine. Betting, yes. If you get black figures, I'll be very happy. All right, I'll be betting finance tycoon. He's first up this prep, but... Uh... Yeah, his last start, last prep, he ran a plus 2.1, I think it was, April 17 at Caulfield, smashed his opposition above benchmark all three sections, even had a little mid-race slowdown from the six to the four. I know he's first up here for a new stable, uh, but Danny O'Brien is astute and he would want to have this horse uh, humming very early in the prep. Um, so just, and it's purely from an odds point of view as well, ingratiating a $1.95 finance tycoon, 3.30 um, and with some of the promotions out there for, um, you know, bonus bets back for second, third and fourth and that sort of thing, I'm happy to have a little bet on Finance Tycoon. Race four is the Cap Dante's Stakes. Dosh is $5, but the favourite is the Kiramar Dave Eustace Horse Crystal Bound. Serati's is also $5 um, for Mark and Levi Kavanagh and Pretty Woman for Matt Dale is six fifty. Um What's your take on this race? Uh, we're seeing some of these three-year-olds for the first time. Yeah, I'm not interested in this race at all. Um, I've got two watch runners. But I, honestly, I'm, the Phillies I'm, I warned last week, stay away. Um, and I'm sticking with that. I'm staying away from these. Not interested at all. I'll watch them. Okay. Well, I think this is the start of most tipping comps. So I've got Crystal Bound on top. Two starts, beat he's exceptional uh, on debut by six lengths. He's exceptional, um, has uh, you know, really improved this prep and last start winner and was second to Jamea at her only other start in Jamea, obviously a last start winner as well. So I think deserved favourite at 3.30, perhaps not um, a real betting option. Ayrton probably just wins the Sofitel at $1.60 over 1400s. We spoke about him a little bit earlier with Richo. Yeah, it's mighty hard to see him getting beaten. Um, Allen had to trust him. He made a couple of errors at Caulfield. Johnny Allen, he had to trust the horse. 
Um, his 3.9 length acceleration between the four and the two was explosive. Um, matched Mass Crusader on the day. Um, mm. His little increase of speed last 200. That's typical for a Price Kent runner first up. They've been a little bit softer since um, Kent, Michael Kent Jr. has been involved, but you know that the uh, Price horses are always ready to rock and roll early in their campaigns, and he can keep them going. Um, you know, he just gave us another little snippet of his talents. He's been exposed to high pressure through his performances in Brisbane. Um, he's overcome slowdowns. He's now had a little bit of a taste of a mid-race exertion and simply exploded off the back of it. Um, that's the best possible first up run the horse could have. It gives him the perfect platform to really see what he's made of. He peaked last campaign. He only had the three runs last campaign. He peaked at 4.3 lengths above IVR benchmark. And there was still a couple of holes in there. He was a little bit immature. He looks like he's going into the five, six range. Yeah. Um, and he's an impossible horse for me to fault. Straight line speed tick is there now. So he will love Flemington. Um, and if he's going to get to the heights that I believe he can get to, nothing in this race is going to get near him. Yeah. He, I think he should be, well, he probably is, but I think he's the one to beat in the Epsom handicap. And that says enough. He should be winning here. Don't knock what King Magnus did running second to Ayrton um, last start. King Magnus, $13 and $2.80. Wouldn't be surprised to see King Magnus uh, running in the placings again. Uh, the Furphy Let's Elope Stakes, uh, Instant Celebrity 390, Tarath 420, Still a Star 550, Zudancer 10, Mystic Journey 13, Butter Chicken 15, Ripperita 19, Bombasini 21, Quantum Mechanic and Rich Hips and Impecunious at 23. I thought this was one of the hardest races of the day. Yeah, well, I could cut it down um, pretty quickly. Well, I hope, hopefully, I've cut it down to only a couple of uh, legitimate <laughs> chances. If if they don't, I get beat. So um, I was taken by two Ruth's performance. First go on genuine dry ground Caulfield. Um, it's good, good first section speed. Uh, went to a new level through the mid. There was a bit of a decline last two hundred under pressure. Um, and was entitled to, was entitled to decline, gives me the indication that there might be some improvements still there um, and set to peak here, run six for the campaign. Gets the ideal rider, um, B-Lane ideal rider for horse of this nature, going to give them something mighty big to chase and going to set a benchmark level that's going to be pretty hard for most of these to eclipse it. So if we can trust that this horse is going to go somewhere between the one and a half and plus two from the front, you'll mm. knock most of the field clean out. Um, the horse who looks like it's going to go through the roof's instant celebrity, Craigie boy, um, settled back, has an explosive turn of speed, was taken by its first up performance at Caulfield behind the likes of a Probabile, um, Last section, really good, strong, sustained last 400 metres, which, you know, this horse hasn't really... This horse has been excellent late, and visually it's been excellent late, but when the, those around you aren't going that fast, 
Um, it can overemphasize the power of the finish. Yes, you have to overcome the race shape in order to do so, which is a tick, but when you don't put the big numbers on the board, you've got to be taken somewhat on trust. The core field performance was excellent. It's going to a new level. I've marked it the horse to beat from Turath. Um, then I found it hard to um, make cases for many more. Zoo Dancer got a tick from mine, as did Still a Star, but, you know, they're going to be tested here. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're being a bit harsh on a few. Um, I've actually settled with a bit of value here. Um, Six dollars the place for Quantum Mechanic. Um, ran her last start. Ran third to Natoya and Probabil in the Group One. Um, Coolmore, I think it was. No, it might have been the Queen of the Turf. Um, open uh, mares race. Um, I think she's a, a real Flemington horse. She's had two trials. Her most recent trial, um, I thought was outstanding. Um, yeah, she beat um, Incentivize, Sir Dragon A. Um, there, it was a really quality trial. Um, I just think she looks wound up. Um, you said they sort of need to go that 1.5 to 2 if that's where Tarath goes. That's where Quantum Mechanic went at her last start. I know she's first up here, um, but I just feel like she's going to be running a big race will be suited by yeah this is a hot field i think there'll be pace on i think john mcneil can just get her out of out the back um and she's got um some uh, some real class i think so 23 uh 23 a win and six dollars a place so i'm happy to have a little each way spec on quantum mechanic we'll make sure she's in the quaddy exactly make sure she's in the quaddy um and i thought you know, Ripper Rita ran really well. She won that trial um, that Quantum Mechanic was in, although trials and races are, are much different. Um, Mystic Journey, well, I don't think we can trust her. Still a star's got a bit of class. And Zoo Dancer as well, but Zoo Dancer really um, loves it up front. And even Impecunious, um, you know, has some a, a really nice number behind Hungry Heart. So, um, you know, I thought it was a deeper race than... Um, than perhaps you did, but I'm happy to, um, I'm happy to give a little spec to Quantum Mechanic. Uh, the Bobby Lewis um, here is an interesting race. We've got Jonker coming from Queensland. The Astrologist is rock hard fit. Away game is uh, third favourite. So Jonker four, 460, Astrologist five, away game six, Zutori seven, and Express Pass last start winner at eight, and Splintex at 950. Difficult, difficult, difficult race. Um, every single horse that you zone in on or zoom in on or however you would like to say that, um, you can find holes and you can find big holes in them. So, you know, there's a mean different avenues. This looks like a dangerous race, A, from a betting perspective and B, from a quaddy perspective. Um, I know personally every time I press field in a quaddy, that means favourite. Uh, so... The horse that I landed on was Jonker. The reason being is Damien Lane's a master of speed. I've had that on repeat um, with you since we first started doing this. Um, he can jump, and this horse has superior first section speed where he can get out and basically run it to suit. And Jonker's a dangerous horse under those circumstances. The Golan Camp don't put horses on the track to come to Melbourne for fun. Mm. Um, 
especially when there are races up north and in Sydney that they can target. Um, this, to me, looks like a really premeditated and planned play. And their strike rate when travelling down here would have to be very, very good. Um, excellent camp, a camp that I would trust, and a rider that I've got full faith in. Dangerous rider, dangerous train accommodation. So, and see, he's got the talent to beat these. The other thing that he will also, he can also do with his first section speed is Lane can make it very uncomfortable um, for a couple of good horses around him. The astrologist, one of them, who his natural um, go forward race style recently has been very well um, calculated. He's accelerated through the midsection. He's been very strong late, being able to um, save off horses who have been looking to outsit sprint him. He's been too tough for them. He might have to take a sit or be exposed to pressure he's really not ready for with a horse like Jonker. Um, gives him the potential to undo a couple of others who um, more inclined to take that sit sprint and try and play tactical roles. Lane can bugger off on them. So he's a dangerous horse. My only question mark is, has he drawn the wrong side? So Jonker's in front from me. And then I found it very, very difficult to split about six or seven horses. Um, you know, I even gave horses like Serious Suspect, um, yeah, serious suspect. Express pass. Um, riddle me that, and the other one was front page. There were horses that still remained in the mix. So difficult race, uh, but I was happy with Jonker. For me, I've got Zutori on top. He won this race last year with a plus two uh, performance. Uh, you look at the form guide, and you'll see first up, last prep, he ran seventh. That was in an Oakley plate behind uh, Celebrity Queen and um, Portland Sky, beaten 1.1 lengths. Again, broke that plus two. He might have even gone two and a half to run there. And then he went and won the new market down the straight. He loves Flemington. Um, he won this race last year. He's drawn out wide. The weight's no issue. I think $7 um, is great value for a horse that... Um, yeah, you know, he's so outstanding. $2.40 the place. I'll be smaller win, big the place on Zutori. We're both on Mwanga in the Maccabi Diva Stakes. You can listen to that preview a little bit earlier. The last race of the day is a very special kids pin and win plate. Um, a couple of horses or a number of horses here that will be hoping to press their claims for bigger and better races, perhaps uh, Caulfield Cup. Skyman is $3.20. Secret Blaze is $5.50. Zeke Field nine, Defibrillate nine fifty, Floating Artist nine fifty, Young Verda eleven, Long Arm eleven, Persan is down at twenty one dollars. When I initially looked at the race, I thought good race. When I uh, dug deeper into the race, um, I could just knock everyone straight out. To be honest, um, landed firmly with Skyman. Okay, marked him. Clearly the horse they all have to beat and I think he will do so. All right. I'm with Secret Blaze. Um, this horse is coming um, or has had three runs this prep off a very long layoff, 469 days. Um, gone from uh, 1,200, 1,200, 1,400, gets up to 1,700, right trip. Um, if you go back through his form, he run, ran second in a blame mistakes behind 50 stars. I think 50 stars, um, this is 
February 2020. I think 50 stars ran plus 5.5 and Secret Blaze ran plus four over a mile. Um, I think, you, yeah, you, you can look at his form and he's taken a little while to get there. Um, this is a really class horse. If he gets anywhere near his best, which I think he's starting to, um, I'll be backing Secret Blaze, but I understand the push for Skyman as well. How did you think the uh, the show went with a guest such as Richo, um, with Richo's caliber um, on the show? It'd be, it was an idea that we come up with. I think it's a good idea. I think racing overemphasizes tips. Mm. Um, when we've got some really smart people behind the scenes and you being a media um, personality, as they will say, um, would get to have some involvement with these guys. I know COVID's restricted um, you a lot in your profession in terms of co-mingling and um, whatnot, but I think we've got a lot of talent behind the scenes and through each avenue, whether it be newspaper or whether it be um, television, et cetera, even in my profession with um, sectional timing and data and analytics and whatnot, it feels everyone in racing feels like it's me versus them. Um, and it's very much, um, you know, who can drag a viewer and who can do this and who can do that. I think we've got to um, put the guns down, as they say in the classics, um, and start to communicate with some pretty smart people who sit behind cameras and, you know, they might get. 20 to 30 seconds on a show to give a tip and a quick assessment of why um, mm. plenty of people sit at home and they listen to them and they bet on them. I think it'd be fascinating to sit down with these guys on a um, platform like ours and just go through the process of how do they start? What do they do first? What's their, um, what process does, do they work through? What's important to them? Um, what do they value in racing? What do they think is overrated? What do they need and where do we go? Um, you know, it's all, it's all okay to listen to me um, sit back and talk about, you know, benchmarking with a little bit of sectional time analysis um, using an IVR platform. But the reality is, is the mums and dads of the world don't have access to these platforms. Mm. Um, they can only take what they get and they can take it in snippets. Then you've got to go to who do you trust and who do you back? I'd like the emphasis to be a little bit more on the form and a little bit taken back less in terms of just raw tipping. Um, yep. So to get Jason on, Jason is an outstanding um, media operator. personality, yep. an outstanding operator uh, and just all class. And, you know, his career is just going in leaps and bounds. You know, you've got to be pretty good at your game to basically be hosting both summer and winter Olympic games. Mm. Um, you know, he's just an A-grade talent. And he's, you know, he's a pleasure to watch and it was awesome to have him on. Um, I think the idea that we've come up with is good um, and it will work. And it'd be very good over the next few weeks to have some guys who put a lot of work into what they do um, to come up with a couple of tips for people to sit back on a Saturday or a Sunday and really enjoy their racing. What did you think? Feedback. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. Um, known Richo for a little while back in the day I used to volunteer at um at uh, SEN and he was always um always a great bloke and when I got back in the racing industry he was one of those guys that never forgot your name you could just pop up at Mooney Valley he'd say g'day Damo over the fence um yeah ripping fella I thought it was a great insight into the amount of work he does 
Um, and certainly when I'm in the mounting yard um, waiting to interview a jockey, when he can say to a, a, you know, to a trainer, I love the way your horse finished off last start at Swan Hill, I'm like, mate, I haven't watched that replay. Um, that's the sort of work that these guys do. So, yeah, real pleasure to have Richo on. We'd love your feedback. Uh, if you love the segment, um, give us a comment on Facebook and Twitter. We're actually going to move um, the audio of this um, video chat onto podcast too. So if you prefer to get out there and go for a run and you can't watch the video, um, we're going to be on iTunes as well um, if you'd like to listen to this chat. Um, your wife due anytime soon. Will I see you Monday? Are we going to push it forward to Sunday? We will be doing the review on Sunday as my beautiful wife will be uh, giving birth to number three on Monday morning. Well, congratulations, mate. All the best with that. I'll chat to you Sunday. Let's hope we can pick a few winners. Uh, Punt King, uh, you've got Aegon. Uh, Hayden's got KI Nautique. The loser will donate $100 to a charity of their choice. I think that's great fun. And we'll hopefully have a guest, um, a racing participant on Sunday's review show. Chat to you then, mate. Thank you. Enjoy it.